Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 442 for the 16th of Shvat in a regular year. So rationalization, we all do it, right? To some extent or another. And it's a dangerous road <laughs> to go down. Um, a, an innocuous kind of example that comes to mind for me is, let's say you, are, you have a, a cake in front of you and you already had cake, let's say, you know, and you already had enough. You're not hungry anymore, um, but you want more cake. You really want more cake. And you start to notice, this was a little trick actually that my mother <laughs> taught me, is like you you look at the cake and you see that it's not totally even, you know? And so you really want to make the cake really neat. And so that's your rationalization is you say to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to even out the cake. I'm not going to take another piece. I'm just going to even it out. I'm just going to slice teeny little bit off the edge to even it out so it's nice and neat. So you do that. Next thing you know, oh, it's a little bit not even on that side. It's a little bit not even on that side. Next thing you know, you ate the whole cake, right? This is this is a uh, a, a very easy process to fall down. Um, and this, you know, there's so many other examples of this. Some more severe, some less severe. Uh, let's say somebody gets, um, you know, they go to a store and they get back the incorrect change. They get back too much change. What do you do? Do you give back the extra change or do you rationalize to yourself? And do you say to yourself, you know what, like this is such a huge store. They, uh, they didn't, they won't even notice the extra amount. You know what? The customer service was really bad here. Or I actually remember one time I bought something from them and it broke. So really I'm not stealing from them. You know, like there's so many different ways to rationalize. And logically, when we look at it from the outside, we see that this is a problem. We see that these are really just justifications for bad behavior, for incorrect behavior. And what we start to really come to recognize, which is something that we started talking about yesterday, is that just because something can be rationalized doesn't mean that it's logical. And in fact, a lot of these rationalized behaviors can actually be thought of as insane when you think of it, because it's like somebody has a moral compass, and if they do something that is against their moral compass or against their intrinsic values or against their intrinsic um ideas of what they want to do, like in a, in a, in a sober way, uh, then that's, that's the definition of insanity. So it's, you know, on the simple example of the cake, somebody is, let's say they, they're on a diet and they made a really strict rule to themselves that they're only allowed to eat a certain amount of cake every day, or maybe they're not allowed to eat any cake at all. So to eat any cake past whatever their amount is that's allowed, you know, is actually insane because it's not, it's not what they consciously want to do, but they do it anyways. Or the person who, you know, doesn't mention anything about that extra change that they get at the store or whatever, 
if, if you were to ask them, would you ever steal? They would say, absolutely not. And they really truly believe that. They don't see themselves as the type of person who steals. But lo and behold, in these many little ways, you know, that, that might they might, God forbid, steal. I hope nobody does this. <laughs> you know, every time you get uh, extra change in the store, I hope you, you are very honest and bring it back. That is the right thing to do. Uh, and hopefully everybody does that, but <laughs> just putting it out there. Uh, so yeah, so anyway, so there's so many different examples of this. And this was really the topic yesterday. And the reason why I want to go into a little bit about what it is that we spoke about yesterday as a review is because today's episode is sort of like a direct continuation of yesterday's episode. So if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, please go back and listen to it or review it if you have and you need to need that review. But the basic idea that we spoke about yesterday was the idea of how it is that anytime a Jew does something that is against the will of God, this only happens because a spirit of folly enters into them. There's a rationally speaking on a sane, a sane Jew, a Jew who's in a sober sane state would never go against the will of God because going against the will of God, going against the will of our creator is absolutely doesn't make any sense. Why? Because our creator is the very source of our life. It's the source of our sustenance. And when we do things that are in line with the will of our creator, then this connects us with the source of our life. It actually unifies us with the source of our life. It unifies us with, with the will, the supernal will of God, which the supernal will and wisdom of God is one with God. Versus when we do things that are against the will of God, it unifies us with those things that are against the will of God, that are against sustenance and life and all those things, um, you know, the lowlier part of creation. And it actually makes us worse than those forces because those forces, whether we're talking about, you know, the forces themselves, the klipos and the sitra akra, or uh, the uh, like things that manifest those forces like impure animals or impure actions and things like that, we actually become lower than these actions or these energies because these actions, these, these, um, these, these animals or these energies were created by God. And ultimately they don't have free will. They're stuck in the darkness because that's how God created them. But when, when a person chooses of their own volition to, to uh, tap into those dark energies, those energies that are uh, expressing the antithesis of God's will, they actually degrade themselves lower because they, because they're not doing it because that's how they were created. They're doing it because they chose to do that. So that's, that's even worse. So, the basic conclusion of this whole discussion that we had yesterday was that really, if you think about it at the end of the day, any sin against God, anything that a person does that's against the will of God is really on some level idolatry. It's really, it's not any different than idolatry. It's like, it's, it's sort of like a, a, um, a declaration that, uh, that is, that you don't acknowledge the oneness of God. You don't acknowledge that God is the only true reality. So even if you acknowledge God, that God exists, um, if you give any power to something other than God, which is basically what a person does when they do something that's against the will of God, then this is a form of idolatry. This is this is not the true reality because the true reality is that there's God and only God, and that's the only true reality. So now this brings us to today's episode. And today's episode is interesting because it's sort of like a, a little, it's, it's kind of technical in a sense, uh, but I'll guide you through it. And the basic um, theme of today's episode, today's section of the Tanya is going to be revolving around a challenge that the ultra is going to bring up, a possible challenge that a person might have to this idea of how it is that like we're saying that all 
you know, it seems like from this whole discussion we've been having, it seems like we're saying that all sins, whether it's idolatry, whether it's adultery, whether it's breaking Shabbos, whether it's eating something not kosher, whether it's speaking Lashon Hara, all these things are equal and they all, you know, are just like idolatry, basically. But then a person might say, wait a second, that doesn't make sense because we know that within Jewish law, different sins are dealt with in very different ways. So we know that like for the vast majority of sins, for example, there's this idea that of pikuach nefesh, uh, this idea of that saving a Jewish life is more important than keeping a specific commandment. So for example, um, you know, this applies in like childbirth, let's say. So let's say if a, if a woman um, goes into labor on Shabbos and she has to get to the hospital, she's allowed together with her husband to go in a car to call a taxi go in a car you know there's specific ways to do it but basically she's allowed to violate quote-unquote Shabbos in order to have that baby delivered in a safe way so um so and there, and there are many many examples of this if a person is in a, a situation where the only food that they can eat and um, they're going to starve to death god forbid otherwise uh, if they don't eat that food is non-kosher food they're allowed to eat that non-kosher food and in fact in these instances not only are they allowed to do these things that are against the written you know the the explicit law but they're actually told in those instances that in those instances that is the law the god wants them to eat the non-kosher food god wants them to violate Shabbos in order to keep themselves alive, in order to keep somebody alive. On the other hand, when it comes to the sin of idolatry, when it comes to the idea of if somebody, you know, back in the day, where there were many examples of this, where um, in the Spanish Inquisition, the Jews in that time were given the choice, bow down to this cross or die. And so you would think, you know, isn't it the same thing? Like just like uh, like giving birth or um, or eating non-kosher food that here you have a choice between between life and um, and breaking a commandment, shouldn't a person just say, whatever, I'm just going to bow down to this idol because it's I can't, I'm being forced to do this? No. In fact, Torah says when it comes to idolatry, you are not allowed to do that. And a person actually has to give up their life. There's actually three instances, three different types of um, of commandments that fall into this category, that this category of uh, where a person must give over their life rather than transgress these these violations. One of them is uh, idolatry. One of them is adultery. And the other one is murder. So this seems to indicate that not all sins are created equal. It seems to indicate that, in fact, idolatry is more severe than keeping Shabbos, for example, right? That's what it seems to indicate. And so today, the Altarabra is going to answer that question. And the Altarabra is going to show us how this is not actually the case and how, yes, there are differences in terms of the various ways that we do commandments and the various instances like, can you violate this commandment? Can you not violate this commandment? And we see that there's actually different punishments for different commandments as well. And in, and we'll also learn about how different violations blemish the soul in different ways and some in more severe ways, some in less severe ways. Uh, while all of this is true, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that any one commandment is more or less like precious to God and connects you more or less to God. At the end of the day, regardless of whatever transgression a person is engaged in, this disconnects them, God forbid, from God. Uh, and it's and it's a very shameful thing to God. It's, it's the way that it's, um, the imagery that it's likened to is like taking the head of a king and putting it in a toilet. 
in fact. So, uh, so it's pretty intense, you know, or a place of vomit and filth. So the basic takeaway that, uh, that I believe the ultra it wants to uh, present to us in today's episode, in today's section, is this idea that when we talk about the differences in terms of the commandments and the differences of, you know, severe, less severe, you know, whatever you want to call it, it depends what you're focusing on. So if you're focusing on um, the punishments involved, if you're focusing on the blemish, blemish that it cause, causes to the soul, if you're focusing on what you need to do, how, how far do you have to go in order to uh, risk your life, in order to keep so-and-so whatever commandment, yes, there are differences. But if you want to talk about the um, the differences in the commandments in terms of like which one separates you from God to a more or less extent, the truth is they all do. You know, just like when we go back to the beginning when I was talking about this idea of rationalization, it's like if you eat a little bit of that cake, if you eat a lot of the cake, you're eating the cake. You know, if you steal two pennies, if you steal five dollars, you're stealing. It's it's a it's a form of stealing. You can't, you know, there's no difference. You know, yes, you know, if you steal a million dollars versus if you steal ten dollars, it's gonna be a much bigger deal to give back that money and it's gonna have like a much bigger effect. But the actual deed is the same. It's like the same violation of your morals has happened, you know. Um and yes, of course, you know, there's always chuva. There's always the idea of returning to God. And yes, you know, it's much easier to return $5. It's much easier to get back on your diet uh, if you only eat a small little bit of cake versus if you eat the whole cake, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, you know, a violation is a violation. That's that's the bottom line. That's that's really what the altar is going to get to uh, today. So with that being said, let's get into the text. And we'll see how uh, the ultra ray explains this. And for context, we're going to be concluding chapter 24 today of Likutan Marim. So here we go. So the ultra Rebbe begins by um, bringing up this idea of pikuach nefesh, of saving a Jewish soul, which overrides prohibitions in most cases. And that there's a principle actually of ya'avor va'al ya'areg, that a person should actually commit a transgression rather than be killed. So the the precept is that not only are you allowed to uh, do the transgression in the case where it's uh, your life is in danger, but it's actually you're actually supposed to. This is what God wants you to do. Um, and the Gemara explains this in Masechet Shabbos, page 151b, and in Yoma, page 85b, that uh, that the whole idea of why is it that like you can break Shabbos for the sake of of, uh, of saving a life is that in it's when you desec- the Gemara explains that if it's, this is in order to because. If, if a person desecrates one Shabbos um, for the sake of saving their life, this is going to allow them to keep many other Shabbosim throughout their life, right? So that's that's why we're doing it. It's like we're kind of thinking of the bigger picture here. And so the main takeaway is that uh, this is the reason why we have this Pikuach Nefesh um, precept in there. Uh, it's not, on the other hand, what one might think that because Shabbos is sort of like a lenient commandment and that it's like more lenient in comparison to idolatry, for example. And now the ultra brings a parenthesis that sort of like shows us that this is not the case, where he cites Shulchan Aruch in, in Yor Edea, the sec- section two of Yor Edea, where it talks about the laws of Shechita, the laws of ritual slaughter, and how there's this idea of, of uh, when when we're picking a shochet, when we're saying like, is this person fit to do the ritual slaughter? Um, there are certain cases where a person is not fit to do so. Why? If they habitually violate a particular 
commandment over and over, um, depending on what the commandment is, then this could make them ineligible for engaging in the shechita. So what are such cases? Um, so we find that that actually breaking Shabbos is up there, that if a person breaks Shabbos uh, on a regular basis, it's comparable to idolatry in terms of the um, the severity of of the of the sin so we see that this is uh and in fact we actually see that this isn't the case of somebody who habitually engages sexual violations of the torah so we see that it's not so simple in the cases where it's actually we're supposed to save our lives uh even if it means that we're going to commit a transgression so this applies to shabbos but it doesn't apply to to bowing down to idols and it doesn't apply to sexual offenses either so it would seem in that case that sexual offenses and idolatry are way more severe than shabbos but then we see here that when it comes to um, seeing if somebody's fit for ritual slaughter then we see that somebody who violates sexual offenses is not put into that same category of being uh, um, void for this type of thing, being ineligible for being a, for doing the shechita, whereas somebody who violates Shabbos is together with somebody who um, who uh, who commits idolatry. So thus, we see that when it comes to you know the severity or the lightness of different commandments, it's it's not so simple. And um, you know, at the end of the day, going back to um, to really what we focused on yesterday, uh, all the commandments, anytime somebody violates any commandment, regardless of what it is, they're going against the will of God and they're separating themselves from God. And so, yes, there are, you know, certain cardinal sins, like the three cardinal sins of idolatry, adultery, and murder that, uh, you know, that a person is supposed to give up their life rather than transgress them. But this is just a scriptural decree. It's not because these particular sins are any worse than any other sins than breaking Shabbos, for example. So now the altar goes on and he says to that, um, the only, the, so, so thus we can't, well, we can't like distinguish the sins in terms of severity, in terms of like, you know, violating God's will more or violating God's will less. We can distinguish them in terms of the spiritual effect that they have. So as we'll see, different sins produce different spiritual effects. So we find that there are different punishments that are listed in the Torah for different types of sins. So uh, so some sins are listed as being um, that the punishment for them is kares, which is ex uh, ex excision, uh, like being cut off basically from its source, or it's called, or being killed by the hands of heaven. So these are certain sins, uh, that there are certain categories of sins, that that's the punishment for them. But then there's a whole bunch of other sins that do not fall into this category. And so in that, in those cases, if somebody commits a transgression that is not, uh, does not make them liable for excision or for death by the hand of heaven, then it, this, what this means is that their godly soul does not totally expire and does not totally get cut off from its godly source. It's just that it gets, um, blemished, like it gets a little bit dirty in doing this kind of sin. And then the altar rabbi brings a parenthesis to explain to us the idea of punishment along these lines and what and what punishment is all about and how punishment is really just a cleansing process. It's about, you know, and there's different punishments that are given for different transgressions that have to do with the type of blemish that uh, that is produced by the particular transgression. And then that particular punishment is what's going to cleanse that particular blemish. Um 
And so too, even when it comes to those sins that I have to do that, uh, that do make a person viable, uh, liable for death or for excision, each one is going to be blemished in a different way. So there's different types of blemishes that happen in the soul, uh, and then they need different types of cleansing as a result. And now going back to the regular text, the, the ultra goes on to say that not only does, you know, we were saying before that the godly soul, when a person engages in most sins and sins that are not, um, liable for death or death by the hands of heaven or of her excision, the godly soul doesn't get totally cut, cut off. Similarly, the animal soul also, the animal soul that's that's enclosed in a person's body, as well as their body, which engaged in this, which was, you know, active in this um, transgression, they also are able to return out and to rise up out of the sitra akhra, out of the other side and out of this klipa that they, they were engaged in during the time of sin and to um, and to return to the holiness of the godly soul that's vested within them because this godly soul believes in one God. And even while the person was actually engaged in the transgression, while the person was sinning, the godly soul still actually believes in one God. It's just that it was in a state of exile. So the, the faith never leaves it. The, the the essential connection to God never leaves us at, at, you know, at any time, even if a person is engaged in a moment in a sinful act, deep down inside of them, their godly soul is still connected to God, still believes in God. It's just in a state of exile. It's, it's within, it's trapped within the, the animal soul that comes from the Sitra Akhra and that's making the, the body sin and bringing the body down into the lowest depths at that at that moment of the sin. And now the altar arbor takes a little bit of time to really explain to us just how low this gallus is, just how, how, um, you know, dark and it is that this is a place of impurity of the Sitra Acha and the Klipa, and this is a place of idolatry, which God should protect us from, and that there's no greater exile than this. This exile is called, um, is referred to as being, he refers to it as being from a lofty roof to a deep pit. So it's like a very, very, very deep fall. Um, because why? How how can we understand that it's such a default? Because the source of Jewish souls comes from the supernal chokhmah of God. And we know that God's chokhmah, God's wisdom and, and himself are one. So it's like we come really from God himself. And the way that we can kind of understand this as the altar, but the imagery he gives is very vivid and very intense, is that it's like somebody's holding on to the head of a king and pushes this head into a toilet that's filled with excrement. So, you know, there's nothing more shameful from that, than this. This is like the most humiliating thing if you imagine this image. Uh, and even if somebody does this, even for like a, a, a moment, you know, it's it's like really um, disgusting. And so why? Why 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 does the ultra bring this image? Because he says that the klipos and the sitra achra are known as being um, vomit and filth. So it's really, you know, that's quite intense that it's basically anytime a person engages in a transgression, what they're doing really is that they're taking the head of the king, because the head of the king is again, Hashem's chokhmah, uh, Hashem's wisdom, which is the source of our soul and our Jewish souls and bringing it down into this place, this very filthy place. So that's the idea. So, th so that's the end of the section for today. And so just to sum it up, just to bring it together. So the basic idea is really just to reiterate this point that anytime a person engages, God forbid, in a transgression against God, 
a small one, a big one, whatever it is, they're all transgressions. Any transgression separates a person from God. So we shouldn't make the mistake of rationalizing. This is where the idea of rationalization comes in, that a person might think like, oh, well, you know, like Shabbos, I mean, Shabbos isn't as severe as idolatry because after all, idolatry, a person is supposed to give up their life rather than worship idols. But that's not the case when it comes to Shabbos. Like Shabbos, if it comes to a life or death situation, a person is actually told that they must violate Shabbos, which must mean that Shabbos isn't that severe, right? And the ultra rabbi here in this section is teaching us, no, that's not the case at all. It's true that different um, different commandments have different circumstantial, uh, I, you know, details behind them, and it's true that different commandments, even uh, violations, even might have different punishments when it comes to them in terms of the different blemishes that they cause to a person's soul. But essentially, any time a person goes against the will of God, it's really like they're bringing their godly soul, which is connected to God, which the source of God Himself is, which comes from the source of God Himself because it comes from God's wisdom, and they're dragging this sold down into the filthy place of vomit and filth, vomit and excrement of the Klippos and the Sitra So it's a very intense message today. Uh, so something to keep in mind. And that's the end of the section. And we'll continue with a new chapter tomorrow. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.